All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Dugman standing in the confessional corner this week as we get into Article 2 of the Formula of Concord. This week, looking at it from the epitome. Article 2, building off of original sin, then talks about free will or what powers humans have in spiritual things. So we begin this looking at the status of the controversy. The will of mankind is found in four different states, before the fall, since the fall, after regeneration, and after the resurrection of the body. The chief question in this article is only about the will and ability of mankind in the second state. That is, what powers in spiritual matters does a person have after the fall of our first parents and before regeneration? Can a person by his own powers, prior to and before his regeneration by God's Spirit, get ready and prepare himself for God's grace? Can a person accept and apprehend or reject the grace offered through the Holy Spirit in the Word and holy, divinely instituted sacraments? We get to the affirmative statements. This is our teaching, faith, and confession on this subject. In spiritual matters, the understanding and reason of mankind are completely blind and by their own powers understand nothing, as it is written in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The question is, how is mankind's ability in the second state? After the fall, but before regeneration, in regards to spiritual matters. Very simply, the understanding and reason of mankind are completely blind. We cannot do anything spiritually to prepare ourselves for God. Number two, likewise, we believe, teach, and confess that the unregenerate will of man is not only turned away from God, but has also become God's enemy. So it only has an inclination and desire for that which is evil and contrary to man. As is written in Genesis 8.21, the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Romans 8.7 says, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Just as a dead body cannot raise itself to bodily earthly life, so a person who by sin is spiritually dead cannot raise himself to spiritual life. For it is written in Ephesians 2.5, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. We believe and teach and confess that not only are we turned away from God? We are God's enemy. We only want to do what is contrary to his will. We have as much power to bring ourselves into God's grace as a dead body has of resurrecting itself to live longer. We can't do it. Our sufficiency, everything that belongs to the spiritual realm comes to us from God himself. Number three, God, the Holy Spirit, however, does not bring about conversion without means. For this purpose, he uses the preaching and hearing of God's word. As it is written in Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Also, Romans 10.17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It is God's will that his word should be heard and that a person's ears should not be closed. Psalm 95.8. With this word, the Holy Spirit is present in opened hearts so that people, like Lydia in Acts 16, 14, pay attention to it and are converted only through the Holy Spirit's grace and power, who alone does the work of converting a person. 
For without his grace, and if he does not grant the increase, our willing and running, our planting, sowing, and watering, 1 Corinthians 3, 5-7, are all nothing. As Christ says in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. With these brief words, the Spirit denies free will, its powers, and ascribes everything to God's grace in order that no one may boast before God. 1 Corinthians 1, 29, 2 Corinthians 12, 5, and Jeremiah 9, 23. So what do we have? We have everything in the conversion of mankind, going from enemy to child of God. Everything comes from the Holy Spirit. It is only through hearing the word and the Holy Spirit working through that word that anyone is saved. That is what we believe, teach, confess. So now we move into the negative statements, the contrary false teaching, which there are quite a few of them, as we will see. So we reject and condemn all the following errors as contrary to the standard of God's word. Number one, the insane ideas of the philosophers who are called Stoics. We also reject the ideas of the Manichaeans, who taught that everything that happens must so happen and cannot happen otherwise. Everything that a person does, even in outward things, he does by compulsion. He is forced to do evil works and deeds, such as in chastity, robbery, murder, theft, and the like. So the Stoics believed that man was able by himself to be able to get right with God. The Manichaeans believed that everything was basically revolved around fate, and that God used fate to talk through the entire creation and life and existence of the universe. That everything that happens, the good and the evil, has to happen because that's the way God's written out the book. So on one hand, the Stoics firmly believe and put everything into man's free will. The Manichaeans say there is no free will. Everything is bound because God has decided this is the way it's going to go. Much like an author writing a novel has ultimate control as to what happens in the book. Number two, we also reject the error of the Pelagians. They taught that a person by his own powers, without the Holy Spirit's grace, can turn himself to God, believe the gospel, be obedient from the heart to God's law, and so merit the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. This is the biggest issue in the early church, is people believing, and it's still going on today, and we'll get more into it as it's more semi-Pelagian than full-bone Pelagianism, but that you have to bring about the faith that is in your heart by, by yourself. There is no outward means, except for you still have to hear the Word of God and study it to be able to understand what God wants in conversion so that you can do it. Again, it's, and even having grown up in that idea, it's still one of those that's still kind of boggling the mind as to how this became a prevalent teaching that we must do it. But again, it's all about me and myself, and I am doing this for God. And that is typically the verbiage that is used, is that you are creating faith so that you may show your faith, especially in your baptism, that you may show your love for God. Uh, number three, we also reject the error of the semi-Pelagians. They teach that a person by his own powers can begin his conversion, but cannot complete it without the Holy Spirit's grace. So that we can get it started. That is our faith, generating that faith in ourselves, but God has to finish it. Uh, there's also the other idea. 
Number four, some have acknowledged that a person is too weak to begin his conversion by his free will before regeneration, and that he cannot turn himself to God by his own powers and be obedient to God from the heart. Yet, they still assert that if the Holy Spirit has made a beginning by the preaching of the word and has offered his grace in the word, then a person's will from its own natural powers can add something. A person's will, though little and feebly, can help and cooperate, qualify and prepare itself for grace, and so embrace and accept the word and believe the gospel. So you have on one side the people who believe that we can start and God has to finish, or that God starts it and then we have to push it over the goal line to get it the rest of the way to the finish line. Both of these are strongly talked against in the scriptures. Number five, some have taught that a person after he has been born again can perfectly observe and completely fulfill God's law, and that this fulfilling is our righteousness before God, by which we merit eternal life. So we have those who, especially like in the holiness movements of the Nazarenes and the Wesleyans and the Methodists, that believe that you can actually get to a point where you no longer sin anymore, that you can perfectly observe and completely fulfill God's law, and that cannot happen. Number six, we also reject and condemn the error of the enthusiast. They imagine that God without means, without the hearing of God's word, and also without the use of the holy sacraments, draws people to himself and enlightens, justifies, and saves them. We call people enthusiasts who expect the heavenly illumination of the spirit without the preaching of God's word. That just out of the blue, like a thunderbolt from the sky, all of a sudden you believe in God. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. With no teaching beforehand, no external means. It just, boom, all of a sudden, I believe. Uh, number seven, some teach that in conversion and regeneration, God entirely exterminates the substance and essence of the old Adam and especially the rational soul. They say that in conversion and regeneration, God creates a new essence of the soul out of nothing. This is the understanding of Rome, is that Baptism completely eradicates original sin. Therefore, you have the sacrament of penance, that you have to come back, and not only do you have to confess your sins, but you also have to do works in order to pay off your sins, because you were originally created pure, recreated pure once again in your baptism. Everything was gone. A new soul was given to you, and you messed it up, so you have to fix it. Again, relying on me, myself, and I. Number eight, we reject cases where the following expressions are used without explanation. A person's will before, in, and after conversion resist the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is given to those who resist him intentionally and persistently. For as Augustine says, in conversion, God makes willing persons out of the unwilling and dwells in the willing. Here we have people who understand that God does make people Christians against their will. But you have to qualify that, that it's not just God forcing this to happen like the Manichaeans, but it is through the Holy Spirit's grace that all this happens, that you go from being unwilling to being willing. We reject cases where the expressions of ancient and modern teachers of the church are used without explanation when it is said God draws, but he draws the willing. Likewise, some say in conversion, a person's will is not idle, but also does something. We maintain that because these expressions have been introduced for confirming the false opinion about the powers of the natural free will in a person's conversion against the doctrine of God's grace, they do not conform to sound doctrine. Therefore, when we speak of conversion to God, these sayings should be avoided. 
that God brings people into the church, but he only brings people who are already likable to him, that are already kind of on their way. Again, this idea that we have started it, but God has to finish it. That drawing is that finishing up that of the process that we started. That is not the way God works. No, paragraph 17. On the other hand, it is correctly said that in conversion, God, through the drawing of the Holy Spirit, makes willing people out of stubborn and unwilling ones. And after such conversion and the daily exercise of repentance, the regenerate will of a person is not idle, but cooperates in all the works of the Holy Spirit, which he performs through us. It is correctly said that after regeneration, we have the ability to go along with the Holy Spirit as he prompts us to do the good works that we do, that our will is not idle, but it is actually in step with the Holy Spirit. This is true, but some people want to make too much of that and put it out before conversion and not after regeneration. Number nine, Dr. Luther has written that a person's will in this conversion is purely passive. That is, that it does nothing at all. This is to be understood with respect to divine grace and the kindling of the new movements. That is, when God's spirit through the heard word or the use of the holy sacraments lays hold of a person's will and works in him the new birth and conversion. When after the Holy Spirit has worked and accomplished this, and a person's will has been changed and renewed by his divine power and working alone, then the new will of that person is an instrument and organ of God the Holy Spirit. So that person not only accepts grace, but also cooperates with the Holy Spirit in the works that follow. There are only two efficient causes for a person's conversion, the Holy Spirit and God's Word as the instrument of the Holy Spirit, by which he works conversion. A person must hear the word. However, it is not by that person's own powers, but only through the grace and working of the Holy Spirit that he trusts the word and receives it. Everything in us is purely passive when it comes to conversion. We do not become Christians because we want to become Christians. We become Christians because God has drawn us by the Holy Spirit through the word and the sacraments. Because without the word and the sacraments, there is no understanding of what is going on. Without the word and the sacraments, there is nothing but what we can do. And as we have seen, without being regenerated by God through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, we are not in line with God's ideas whatsoever. We exactly want the opposite of it. We desire to be the enemies of God. We desire death over life by ourselves. And that is why we are by nature children of wrath. All right, that's it for this week and the epitome into the article on free will. We will be covering the article of free will from the solid declaration for the bulk of the month of July. So especially as we come about to Independence Day here in America, that we think of, oh, this is the things that we have done ourselves and celebrating us and what we have done. How pertinent it is to see free will being properly taught so that we may understand that, yes, in this world, in this life, in the things that revolve around human reason, yes, we have free will, but not in the things of God. And that is where we need to make sure that line is solidly drawn so that we do not confuse the two.
But we'll get into that over the course of the next month. Until then, this is Pastor Doug Minton, thanking you for standing in the confessional corner with me this week. And I pray God's richest blessings on you as you wrestle with the theologies around you. Amen.